0: Up, back on the street did my time took my chances get out of here. welcome to dragons cast the podcast brought to you by dac Backlogs. with me today i have marshall fleming hey nick intrieri what up and bill martin hey guys and with that i think we can get started uh we just posted an episode uh over the weekend a little belated one uh with uh I posted that to instagram uh, i think yesterday and I posted some of the stuff that we talked about some of the stuff that's happened since then which i think uh, we all have strong feelings about but before that why don't we get started with something a little lighter um over the course of the last year um I think we had a lot of questions on what the roster, at least that we saw playing out there was. The starting, uh, the, not only the starting five, but also the five that got a lot of minutes. We have two freshmen that came in that seemed like they could contribute right away, that seemed to start contributing, but then would have, uh, what you would expect, like, uh, freshman jitters from time to time. We had players like Zach Walton, um, that you could see streaks of, uh, really playing incredibly well during a game and then the exact opposite. So, But I just wanted to wanted to walk through the roster a little bit with you guys and see what you guys' take was on that. But maybe before we even get started on that, what did you guys think, who do, outside of Cam Winter, of course, last year, who do you guys think was the second best player on the team? James Butler. Agreed. Yeah, it's got to be Butler. All right, I guess number two wasn't that hard then. <laughs> Who's number three? Ooh. That was a tough one.
1: I mean, are we talking from last year's performance or going into next year?
0: We're not talking mm-hmm. about mystery boxes. We're talking about what happened last year over here. So based on last year performance or your feeling, you know, it could be your feeling, Bill. Uh, you know, <laughs> who do you think had the third best, uh, you know, who's the third best player on the team last year? Third, third MVP. It's a new award. We're going to start handing out this year. MVP three. MVP three. <laughs> I like I mean, it. that's even
1: better. I mean, Walton's the only one who had any separation between anybody else uh, statistically-wise. So, I mean, I think it's got to be Walton. He had a, I think he had, a, he had at least one game winner last year, and he, he's versatile. He's just a little up and down. Um, he needs to be a little bit more consistent, but uh, I would say it has to be Walton.
0: So, if Coltrane got the same amount of minutes, say, as Walton did, you'd think Walton would still be the better player?
1: Uh, last year, probably. Uh, going forward, I, I don't know. Uh, Coltrane brings... Uh, some really high quality shooting to the table uh, that Walton's not the greatest three-point shooter, but he can hit it from there a little bit. But uh, Coltrane's defense is a little lacking too, so I need to step that up this year. But I don't think anyone on the team is a superstar defender at this point. I I would strangely
2: agree with Bill. Uh, (laughs) It has to be Walton. Um, He's just, I, I think there's a lot of potential there that, you know, we. We get frustrated at times, but in terms of, um, just pure versatility, his, his size and his athleticism, um, you know, we just want him to play a little bit within himself more. I think if he's able to do that, his thing is mental. His physical abilities are good. Um, I mean, maybe Coltrane will get there a little bit, but right now he's just a spot shooter. Bickerstaff has great potential, but he's still young. Maybe he'll take a leap this year. Hopefully he does. Uh, I mean, Walton, the last game of the season is the last one in my mind. And we, we, Walton was the best player in the court for us against Hofstra. Uh, and, you know, I thought he played really, we kept this in the game, basically. Um, so he has to be third MVP in my mind. Cam Winter had no
0: points against Hofstra. Yeah. He had played 40
3: minutes less than 24 hours before that.
0: Yeah. And hmm. I, I think that came as a surprise to me, too. And we were looking at the Ross, I mean, the box score last, uh, we were recording last time, but, he, he definitely dropped a donut. But <laughs> Zach Walton showing up in a game where we play awful and lose horribly. Uh, I, I don't know how much I'm, you know, credit I'm giving to Zach Walton for that. I agree that he was the best player on the court, but what did that do? It's like uh, when Bill would defend Rodney Williams being the best player on the team, and you'd say that means nothing if you don't win. <laughs>
1: Yeah,
2: I mean,
0: so. I, I don't know. I mean, it's
2: if, if someone else, if Cam Winter would have played well, maybe we would have had a shot the winning. That's all I'm saying. Like, he had a good game, but clearly he's no. I mean, he's the third best player on the team. So the third best player on the team has a good game,
1: and he's the only one that has a good game. We're not going to win. I mean, um, that's just, yeah, I mentioned geez. this on the last podcast too, but I, I think the the coaches legitimately saw that Cam Winter needs a backup, <laughs> and they they went out and they were really trying to get him back up. Um, and it's kind of hard to go out and find a player who's going to come in and fill the role of backup point guard for uh, a year or two. Um, but they made two attempts at it, and we we got one. So hopefully Cam won't have to carry as much of a load next year as he's had to uh,
0: in his two first years, really. It is really unfortunate because you could say that we had a potential uh, real backup already on the team that just... Left in the beginning of the season, but before we talk about that a little bit, Marshall, did you did you is your answer Zach Walton as well? Uh, I think it's gotta be
3: the he had of guys with a high ceiling. He came closest to that ceiling for who we're talking about in this third position. So not including Cannon and, uh, and JV, the other guys with high ceiling obviously are um, Oakrose, TJ Bickerstaff. Um, they, as true freshmen, had their moments, but nothing consistent enough to be that third. But I- I'll say I- I'm sticking with Zach as third, but I'll say Yurich really stepped up. Obviously, his ceiling is not nearly as high as any of those other three guys. But what I saw from him, and I, I forget if we've talked about this before on the podcast, but I know, uh, we've talked about it kind of, uh, in general. Is he kind of reminds me of a TJ McConnell type for the Sixers, uh, especially during their uh, early process years where obviously they're still putting things together a bit, but just the energy and like the work ethic and the hustle that he put in. I think the importance of that can't be understated. So while it might not necessarily show up in the box score, he's one of those guys. Again, I'm not saying he's the third best on the team, but I think his importance is. Uh, is notable.
1: I mean, I, I would agree with that, Marshall. I, I like York coming off the bench. Um, and the only thing that I think is a little disappointing for me with him, and I, I didn't really have high expectations with him coming in. He's probably already exceeded that, but is that he can't play a little backup point guard to cam. Uh, he's just not, I don't know, good enough of a ball handler to do that. Um, so it kind of limits his. I don't know, he limits his minutes some just because he can't back up there and he's a little undersized if be playing two. So, um I mean, he, he's a good bench guy. He gives you good energy, he gives you good good defense. Uh, looking forward to seeing if he can make a little bit of a jump this year. But I think you're right. He doesn't have as much potential as some of the other guys on the team, but still a valuable piece. He's great. If he's playing more than 20 minutes a game, we're not a good team.
3: Or we're so good that we've ended the game with 20 minutes left. Or, <laughs> or that. He's a good role player he should not be playing more than 20 minutes a game or we're not a good team yeah I would agree I, I think that 10 minute max or give or give or take a minute or two uh, on either side of 10 minutes would be about right for him given the situation and the matchups
1: they, I, think, I, think, I think you're right Demar. it could depend on matchups if you have a, like an undersized guard really who's like just giving our taller some of our taller guards a, a handful and you want to throw him in there and Try to neutralize it a little bit and he's effective, then maybe you can leave him out there a little bit longer. But, um, probably he'd have to play alongside Cam.
0: Yeah, okay. I think I, I got to go with Zach too. But I, I, Matei is definitely a close c- because of the defensive performance in some of the games. I, I got, got to give that guy some props. But going into this year, do you guys think you guys would be happy? I know if I'd be happy if Cameron Winner was still our number one player. Um, assuming he even gets better in this third year, but would you guys be happy if Butler was your second best player this year? I
1: mean, I'm I'm am okay with it. I mean, Butler's. I, I don't really know how Butler takes much of a leap from where he was already. Um, I mean, he's averaging a double double. I, I would, wouldn't expect anything less next year. I don't, I don't know if his point total will jump off the page or jump up a level. I mean, but um, I, I'd be okay with it. I, I wouldn't mind if one of the other guys takes a huge leap. Such as Bickerstaff, but i um, not sure if that's going to happen yet to the point where they're going to be better than Butler.
0: Yeah. Do you think it's realistic? Like, I mean, I think with Butler, we know what his ceiling is, right? To your point. So, based on the ceiling that we've seen already, you'd be still fine with him being the second best player, I guess, what you said, right, Bill?
1: Yeah. No, I mean, he, he's a good enough player. I mean, he gets all your rebounds, he's, he's scoring at a high rate. I mean, I think you can put enough guys. You know, around him that, uh, might not score as many points as him, but as a, in tandem, we could still put together a really good squad with him being this, like the second leading scorer on the team. It'd be great if someone could take a jump above him.
2: I, I mean, I think I know what Leon's getting at here. I mean, I, but Butler to me is, he is a great garbage man, but you know, he, he shouldn't be relied on. When you think about a true number two, you want like, you know, your Scotty Pippen type number two that, Can really like create his own shot, has his own, like, but, butler doesn't really have many post moves. He kind of, if he's open, he can hit a jumper and he can get a rebound put back. And that shouldn't be your second leading source of points. (laughs) I think that's what you're getting at, maybe. Uh, you want a true number two that can also create, that can also score, that also has some sort of devastating move or uh, trademark move that they can, they can score for you when your number one's off or needs a break or needs to pass it off. I think and for us yeah, to be a good no, team. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I want Bickerstaff to be the number two. I'll be honest with you. I want Bickerstaff to make a leap in his sophomore year, to not get even more rebounds, but also be a huge scoring threat in the paint uh, and, and outside. So I think I, I, for me, James Butler is great. I, I'd take him as a third-best player. For second-best, I need either someone of the incoming freshmen or I think out of the players that we have right now, uh, I, I think Zach Walton, you can all say, has a lot of potential, but considering this is going to uh, probably be his last year uh, coming up, if I'm correct, and what we've seen so far of him, I can't picture him making the leap from the third best player to the second best player. I'd like to be wrong, but I think Bickerstaff, I think for me at least, seems like an ideal candidate to jump into that position. Now, it might be very optimistic. I might be playing the role of Bill over here, but. <laughs> Uh, I'd like to see, I think, a uh, number two that's different than James Butler.
1: I mean, if, if Bickerstaff takes that jump next year, uh, uh, that would be amazing. I mean, I think he's got all the tools. I mean, I've been talking about Bickerstaff for a while now.
2: so I don't know. What we're about gonna Thomas? That is Thomas going to make the jump.
1: Thomas is not good. <laughs> Let's not get into Thomas right now. We're, we're focusing on, on Bickerstaff at this point. Um, I, I hope to see Bickerstaff in the starting lineup. I, I honestly think that might be why some of the guys uh, left, honestly, like Doles, um, Sam Green. like I, I just don't think that they were going to see playing time that much uh, over Bickerstaff next year. So I think that's one of the reasons we saw those guys leave. Speaking of Doles, he ended up transferring to Albany. Just so I'll throw that out there. Um, but, but yeah, I would I would love to see Bickerstaff take a jump, get in the starting lineup. And be a legit scoring threat every night, like we saw in a, in a couple games last year. But um, most of the games, he wasn't quite there yet uh, offensively. And I think we're going to see him be able to shoot a little bit better this year, too. Um, I think he can actually shoot, and he didn't show that at all last year. So hopefully, we'll see a little
3: bit of a jump shot come around. I think there's enough of a ceiling and room for improvement for guys like TJ and. Um, Mate, where they can improve their game enough, kind of similar to what Matej Juric, uh did. He improved his game, obviously, uh, lower ceiling, like we were talking about a few minutes ago. But if each of those guys um, improves their game somewhat, like that will lift the team a lot. I think so many times we focus on, oh, well, if this guy makes a huge jump, huge jumps like that at our level are, and even for players across levels are, Pretty unlikely. Um, most of the guys we've had that have been great players uh, have come in and kind of lived up to their potential from the beginning, and they've made incremental improvements that rounded out their game. But I don't think there's any been anyone where it's like they haven't been able to contribute right away, and suddenly they're an all-star. Um, so I, I, I think as far as who our number two goes, it's most likely going to still be. JB, but if these other guys and Zach Walton included, I know he's a senior, but if there are elements of his game that he incrementally improves and if TJ and, um, Monte Okros make, uh, any, anywhere from minor to major jumps, even if they, any, if any of those three are competing for the third best player on the team, I think we're a better team than we were this year. And then you add in the guys that we recruited. Uh, whatever they can bring, um, I, I, I do think that that's kind of how you improve a team year over year. I feel like when the Bruiser
2: era, we're more u- we're used to seeing players make a huge jump, like Mass and That he Franz came Massinat. in and started
3: as a freshman, and- but
2: freshman to sophomore year, that was a big jump. Frank Eligar, Sean Brooks.
3: Yeah, we did see a lot of jumps. Eric Schmieder, Oh, you're going way back. These are. Aside from he's Frank a players, but yeah. I only and ever saw good Frank. Eric Schmider, his first couple years, I didn't even know who he was.
1: Junior year, he's uh, he's on the some some second team. Well, I, I think I think Schmider came in as a I don't know if it was a juco or a transfer. I don't remember. I, I don't think he came in as a freshman. So I don't believe at least.
3: Yeah, I mean, but, but I mean, if we, if we get those types of improvements, and Frank, I think, is a good example. Um, especially if we're talking big men and we're and we all I think agree that TJ Bickerstaff has the highest ceiling. Um, Frank didn't make that jump until his junior year. Uh, from what I understand, you guys would know more than I since I didn't uh, follow fr- uh, the team when Frank was a sophomore. So I don't know if he contributed on par with what TJ contributed this year. But uh, that would be an outstanding jump. And then yeah, if he becomes the number two that way, then that's great. And we're doing even better than the scenario that I just described with guys making incremental progress. I mean, I think we should see
1: significant minutes jumps for Bickerstaff and Coltrane uh, specifically. Um, and I think we'll see more production out of those guys, definitely. I mean, Okros as well. I, ex- I expect most of our young guys to improve their production. I just don't know if it's going to be enough to say they're the second-best player Yeah. Uh, beyond JB uh, next season. But they could all make significant improvement, improve the team as a whole. Um, and just, and, and TJ, or, um, J, JB's still doing more to be the second best player on the team. So, I don't
0: know. And talking about Bickerstaff's, uh, ceiling, I think, Bill, you'd mentioned, uh, there's a highlight reel out for Bickerstaff. Yeah, I
1: just, I just got posted on Twitter today. I saw it and nice. I sent you guys it. So you can post it with,
0: uh, I'll put it as part of our show notes over here.
1: Put it with the show notes. Just a couple clips of him shooting the ball, dribbling around, dunking on people. It's, it's, I mean, the, the kid's got all the potential in the world. Um, I hope that Spiker can find ways to maximize it, uh, next year. Yeah. Because I, I think he could be, um, one of the best players on the team next year, but uh, we'll see if he's there.
0: Yeah. And, and with James Butler, I guess uh, you guys all think James Butler is going to be the second best player. It's good that he got an extra year of eligibility. Uh, does any, Bill, did you want to expand on that or I'm not fully yeah, sure no, I understand? That's...
3: That's
1: the word on the street is that he got an extra year, so he has this year and he has next year. He's got two more years. I guess he That's only played a works. couple. He only <laughs> got played a couple games at Navy, so um, I, I guess the NCAA granted him a waiver to have an additional
0: additional year. So, how subjective it? are these NCAA extensions? Does it seem very I, subjective to you guys? I think I think uh, Marshall made a comment about it last night, but I'm happy. I'm very happy here. I mean,
1: I I, I I feel like they used to be a lot more strict with things, and now there just seems to be waivers and all types of stuff all over the place. I mean, I, I think it's better for the for the players themselves. I mean, there's no reason he shouldn't have had that year to begin with. I mean, he only played, I don't even know how many games at Navy. It was like three games at Navy or something, and then he loses a full year over that. Um, it seems ridiculous. Same thing with Kirk Lee, like this year. like He only played... I don't even know how many games, four games or something. He uh, shouldn't lose an entire year of eligibility based on that. So its I think it's good for the players um, that they're doing these type of, of waivers now. Um, as far as changing teams and transfers and all that, the waivers are not good for us, but they're probably good for the players as a whole as they get to have more freedom in what they do and where they play.
0: I but wonder if you, some of it has to do with uh, them being nicer to players because they don't want players to be asked for money. It <laughs> could be part of it. Well, they, they did announce that, uh, the
3: NCAA, I think, announced a rule that players can make money off their likeness now. So, um, maybe there's, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I don't know what the ramifications are up and down the spectrum, but I know I was actually just looking at something for work, uh, with a company that, uh, that you can basically reach out to a sports star, uh, for promotional purposes. And it's a whole database. And to date, there haven't been college players in there, but now it's, a, I guess there's nothing that would stop a college player from listing themselves on there. And then you just kind of go down the list and see what their price is.
0: Now oh, you mean we can finally reach out to cam winner about that Winner is coming shirts that we want to make. <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> well, so I will caution the that- program, <laughs> uh, even if it was once 12
3: years ago, you are considered a booster for life. So don't oh, don't go right. around. Uh, I think Bill's already
0: considered a booster. So I'll, I'll send Bill that way. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I, I don't think we have much time left over here. So uh, Nick, I wanted to give you the floor to tell us how you feel about the coverage of uh, 2019-2020 season by the Floor Sports Network. Floor Sports sucks. The end. It's elaborate. <laughs> no, I, was just, I was just wondering. Like,
2: oh, my God. Like, I mean, when you first fire up the app, it, it takes you right to, like, high school boys volleyball. And I have to, like, scroll through, like, you know, Albany State's, ball, you know, wrestling matches. It's so hard to find the Drexel games. They cost an arm and a leg. It just sucks. I couldn't, like... I had two accounts somehow because it messed my, my email up. I, I, are we going to get off Flow Sports soon? We got to get off Flow Sports. It's terrible.
3: Uh, I, th- mean, I
0: forget what the deal was. I don't think it's a one year deal. Honestly. No, it's, I, I don't know what
3: kind of out clauses there are, but you are the only one here who has paid for a year long
0: subscription even before we were <laughs> on Flow Sports. <laughs> <laughs> he was very excited about Flow Sports. Sounded like something he'd be into. It just didn't. When the volleyball high school volleyball is what turned them off I mean, the, so, I mean, the production
3: yeah. value is is pretty terrible it uh, and I don't know how much of that is on the schools versus how much of that is on the um, on the app and the flow sports network itself for production value ads but charging for that is just absolutely insane I actually um, my mom had gotten a subscription towards the end of the season because she wanted to watch the women's team. And uh, I then used it as well um, for the men's team when uh, she wasn't watching because she didn't really care about uh, the, the men's team. Um, but the I watched like th- some of them were unwatchable. I want to say it was uh, I forget if it was the men or women, but at Towson and it was it was beyond pixelated. Um, it was just y- the fact that anyone would have the gall to charge for that is beyond belief. Here's their entire business model, I can tell you right
2: now. I, can, I know what it is. I can go behind the curtain. They sell high price, terrible production quality to parents of, of college kids who wouldn't otherwise, they would not be able to see their games. Like, you know, uh Texas A&M Women's Backstroke Swimming Championships, you know. Whoever you know, they're the the mothers and fathers of those people, are, can watch their kid, and they charge them thirty five dollars a month. That's their business model.
0: We got get off, that. and and it makes it look <laughs> like it, uh, it's a legit sports channel. So I guess it adds to that too a little bit. But they they seem to do most mostly just aggregation. I don't think they're actually making any of the feeds or uh, anything better, really. But yeah, but I do
3: think that there's a degree to which they have to, and I don't know the technical side of it, but what gets those streams to the people, there's been issues with that. Even before we were on there, they, um, they do, I think it was DC United, the MLS soccer team and fans of that soccer team were up in arms about how poor it was. And I don't know if that's compared to what they used to have or just against the baseline of quality. But Nick, I think you're, you're somewhat right with that's part of it. But overall, Flow Sports has got to be looking at an end game where they just need to get as many sports on there as possible, even if they're losing money on them to try and get either acquired or some other move. Like the end game isn't for Flow Sports to be challenging, uh, ESPN plus or some other streaming service with other, with other sports on it. Like they're definitely looking to make a, some kind of business
0: move. Um, yeah. And, and that's a very, Bad model just for end users, mm-hmm. sadly, because it's just, they, they just care about eyeballs and trying to grow as quickly as you can, not really quality of stuff. But, uh, I think I need to wrap up over here, guys. But, uh, I did want to mention a couple of things as follow up to some of the stuff that we posted on. I think I'd seen uh, President Fry's po- post that, uh, you'd link to Marshall. I don't know if you guys got a chance to read it. I, I'll post, that. I'll link it in the show notes. I think, uh, I liked, to talk a little bit about that maybe in our next podcast. And uh, if you haven't gotten a chance, I think I sent this to you guys to see uh, Chappelle's Netflix take on the recent events Thought it was pretty, pretty intense and pretty, pretty poignant. So I recommend that. And uh, we're still working on some stuff. Uh, I think there's definitely things we can do. Uh, And there's a link uh, also in our profile on Instagram, and I'll link it again in our show notes on how everyone everyone can do stuff in the interim as we figure out how we can change the issues around police brutality and systemic racism in this country. So anything you guys want to add to that before we wrap up? Black Lives Matter. Ooh. Yeah, double that. BLM.